The following opinions and ideas are that of the host and or contributors of the Eat This with Leanne podcast and radio show and are for purposes of general information and entertainment only and do not necessarily reflect the thoughts or ideas of the distributor. to podcast changing the world one mouthful at a time it's eat this with leanne here's your host registered ontario nutritionist leanne phillipson there are health issues that you go to your doctor for and then also maybe you might see a naturopath an acupuncturist an osteopath a chiropractor or go for a massage for the symptoms or the health concerns so that you start to feel better Or maybe you go and see someone like me, a registered nutritionist or an Ontario nutritionist, as those in Quebec would call my designation. And there's both medical doctors and also other doctors, maybe like a chiropractor, who cross over into working in the functional medicine space. Those doctors come at health in how your body functions to address the root cause of disease and promote wellness within each individual because we really are all different. Now, what does that mean for you? That means more of a tailored approach in terms of what you're dealing with and what you're genetically predisposed to and what you want to avoid in expressing or becoming a part of your life anytime soon because we all have these genes, which hopefully are all switched off, and then at a certain point, they can get switched on. And that's when disease starts. Now, the way that a functional medicine expert or a doctor looks at your blood tests, takes into account all of the numbers of reference ranges, they it's different. It's a really... Um, all-consuming way of looking at it. They look at how your liver, your gallbladder, your gut, and therefore your brain works in concert with each other. And where exactly is the break in the chain of all of that working? Now, most of what we talk about here leans towards more of the functional medicine space. And since I graduated in 1999, yeah, way back then, I know that there is a lot more to being healthy than taking a few supplements. You know, it's good to clean up your diet. We talk about food all the time. But when you're just relying on your diet to correct deficiencies and break and fix that broken chain that's happening, it can take a really long time. Now, I've uh, learned from incredible mentors, including your favorite and one of our most listened to guests, Dr. Davis Brockenshire. Now, he comes at health in, in a different way. And we're going to get him to explain that today on another Kitchen Sink episode. And the way that he comes at this, truthfully, I believe, would leave most doctors that you would go and see uh, quite confused. Now, how the body, the systems, and how it performs, they're all connected. It's like we're just this big, long squiggles of dominoes. And as soon as one is out or one is off, then it just doesn't flow in the same way. And you really have to have someone who's skilled and, and have a trained approach in coming at this. Now, this episode and saying all of this is because I know many of our lovely loyal listeners are looking for more answers, looking for more support 
and different uh, different listeners reaching out to Dr. Brockenshire or trying to find uh, a doctor or uh, someone in the functional medicine space to help them because you like what you're hearing is driven another kitchen sink of questions because you keep sending them in, which is fantastic. And after having Dr. Brockenshire on so many episodes, then I just thought, well, let's just bring him back in. People have been crossing the border to, to go see him in Michigan, but all the tidbits, all the questions that come in really do help not only the listener that's asked the question, but also everybody else listening. Let's find out today on Eat This with Leanne, another round two of another kitchen sink of questions with our dear friend and colleague, Dr. Davis Brockenshire. Food and lifestyle and sleep are at the root of all health, and we know how easily one or all of any of these can go seriously off track to end up with a whole bunch of symptoms that you wish you weren't dealing with. Now, before we dive into our listener questions, I'm first going to ask Dr. B to help us understand what working with someone like him, a functional medicine expert, functional medicine doctor, entails, and what to expect, and why should you actually even go down this route? So welcome back, Dr. B. Well, hello again to you. <laughs> the easiest way to describe the difference is for people that have never seen uh, anybody but a traditional medical doctor, it's simple. You know something's wrong, but you don't know what. So you go to your doctor, they run some tests, and all the tests come back normal. And the doctor says, well, everything looks great. So, you know, it must be in your head. So you see a functional medical provider, they may rerun the same tests plus a batch of other tests, and they come back and everything's wrong. From inflammation to food sensitivities to vitamin deficiencies to hormonal imbalances, you name it. Uh, and then the most common one I see is anemia. And you see your regular practitioner and you feel tired, worn out, anxious, heart palpitations. You think you've got thyroid disease. And they say, everything's great. You bring me the exact same tests and I'll diagnose you with anemia. It's all in how you look at the tests. So same tests, same blood tests, same results, but the way that you interpret those gives a completely different readout of that person. Correct. For example, vitamin B12. Uh, The accepted range is anywhere between 300 and 600 units. and that's considered a healthy range. However, a functional range, meaning a range that we should be at to feel good, is anywhere from 600 to 1,000 units. Mm. So you could be sitting in a, quote, normal range and yet have all the symptoms of neuropathy, numbness, tingling, weakness in the extremities, headaches. And you're wondering what's wrong with me. And they say, well, everything looks normal. Um, it's, it's just like, <clears throat> you know, checking the air in your car tire. Well, you can kick it, you can squeeze it, but until you put a gauge on it and understand what the range should actually be for that vehicle, you can't make an educated decision. So if someone did, because I've heard of a lot of our lovely loyal listeners who are either crossing the border because they're Canadian and they've heard the radio show or they're like, yes, you you just, you talk about everything, every symptom that I have. And I've got a couple of questions for you as we dive into the kitchen sink once again um, about this, but what's someone to expect when they do see um, someone like yourself or if they found a functional medicine practitioner somewhere else? Yeah, let's uh, do two points on this. So let's take a, what I would call a standard, busy, functional medical practice. So that's uh, usually a group practice where the doctors have done some training 
in how to approach the body a little differently than, say, pathology. So they may look at your hormones and say, okay, yeah, while these are normal, they're not optimal. And the typical routine there is, at least in the United States, um, shell out about $10,000 on retainer and they will run, you know, a couple thousand dollars in tests. Then they'll do a bit of a medical interview. Then they'll look at your test results and more than likely they're going to tell you you need to do a detox. So that's your standard functional medicine approach, right? Everything is detox um, or everything is hormones or everything is gluten for some reason. And gl gluten is not trying to kill us. It just happens to be one of those things that most of us are inflamed by. Okay. In a more of an advanced situation, it's all in the approach, the point of view. So in our in our clinic situation, our average new patient is what I call functional medical wreckage, where they've already done due diligence through a bunch of different doctors, and they're just not getting anywhere. So our average workup, so to speak, is a pretty comprehensive medical history by at least two different people. And what I found is you got to have many eyes looking at the same situation to get the whole picture, because people tend to tell one person one thing and the doctor something else. And so oh, that allows me, yeah, that allows me to kind of look at all the different uh, cross examinations, Your Honor, and uh, see what we're working at. <laughs> Most people at that level then are dealing with some kind of brain injury whether it's chemical, traumatic, emotional, drug-induced, it's, it's subtle. They often don't equate their symptoms with an old brain injury. Mm -hmm. But once we, just, we go down that road, you know, invariably, the story comes out. Oh, yeah, I hit my head in a combine when I was three because my brother kicked me off it. Right. Like, that's a lot of trauma. And the brain doesn't care how old it is. And once we address that, then what happens is the immune system can kind of regulate itself. So, I mean, it's not boring, but uh, we take a brain-based approach, which usually ends up in the gut, and then we build from there. And your method of testing, I know I've had this done quite a few times on stage and in your office, uh, yeah. of muscle testing. That's muscle quite, testing that's gets all, a little muddied. That, that, that's quite unique as well. Yeah, uh, there's... So for those of us that, that have no idea what the heck muscle testing is, there's yeah. several different types. So we'll start with the medical muscle testing, uh, which is basically looking at whether or not the patient can voluntarily control a muscle. So we may just say, hold your leg up. If you can't hold your leg up against resistance, that can mean a lot of things, and we go in and we correct it. However, in many times, if you have a hard time voluntarily controlling a muscle, it's usually a magnesium deficiency. Mm. is magnesium is required for muscle contraction. So that's the medical side of things. Could be a disc injury, you know, carpal tunnel, all those things. What you're talking about, Leanne, is when we get into, get into the neurologic side of things. So if you can't hold your leg up because your quadricep is cramping, and if magnesium is not the problem, the quadricep is actually connected to your small intestine. So if you have any inflammation in your GI tract, that can weaken your quads. We can identify that. And then we build up that. We do some biofeedback and maybe some acupuncture and so on and so forth. But there's a, there's an easy way to think of this is basically the doctor is the translator and they're trying to communicate with the body. The mm -hmm. body's speaking many languages. Uh, we just have to be really good at understanding what all the gibberish means.
Um, I did have one of the questions from a lovely loyal listener. I am just finding it now about magnesium. And uh, it was from Bonnie. And she said she heard one of our recent podcasts. um, And she's been dealing with hot flashes and had trouble sleeping for 20 plus years since perimenopause. And uh, she said there's a whole bunch of them out there. So the form, her question was about the different forms of magnesium because she's a bit confused about which one to go for. Great question from Bonnie. For Bonnie, this is for Bonnie. Yes. Magnesium malate and magnesium bisglycinate. Okay. Together will create a better sleep quality and have a cooling effect on the circulation so the hot flashes won't be as severe. Mm. Roughly three to 500 milligrams of both. Okay. Take it before bed. Okay, great. There you go. In general, magnesium bisglycinate, 600 to 1,000 units a day, uh, milligrams. All all in one go? No, we like split it up twice a day. Okay. Uh, And if you... Physica's uh, magnesium bisglycinate, Glycinate, does that mean you're taking 10 capsules a day? Uh, with the taurine, you get a better absorption. So you can do three twice a day. Okay. If it doesn't have taurine, you need to take more magnesium. Okay. Uh, and the Physica does have taurine in yeah. it. And yeah. then what about all the other citrates? Or sure. Let's do the magnesium. Or yeah. those kind of things. <laughs> this is like schoolhouse rock. Okay. I know, right? So we did the bisglycinate. Bis means two. The regular glycinate, you're going to need to take a lot more of because it doesn't have as much magnesium attached. When you go to the grocery store and look for magnesium, often you're just going to see magnesium citrate. That's the laxative. Mm -hmm. The way that works is it prevents water from getting reabsorbed in the bowel, so you end up going to the bathroom. Uh, Wrong kind of magnesium if you're looking for therapeutic benefit in the muscles and the brain. All right, then we mentioned malate which is more for connective tissue. So if you have fibromyalgia, magnesium malate has shown some really good promise. In our office, we use something called magnesium 3N8, which is known as Neuromag. Mm-hmm. It's a patented form of brain magnesium, which goes through the blood-brain barrier and feeds the neurons. So if you've had a head injury, you might want to look at something called Neuromag. And then we've got uh, the worst kind of magnesium, which is magnesium oxide. Yeah. Which is what's in your multivitamin, it's in your drugstore, shoppers, magnesium. While it says magnesium, it's just a salt. It's not going to do anything to your physiology, except probably deplete minerals and give you diarrhea. All right, back to the kitchen sink with Dr. Davis Brockenshire, functional medicine expert. Now I'm going to hand the mic over to you now, Chris, because you've got a question for uh, for Dr. B. <laughs> oh, God. I have a million. If we're just talking about how to fix me, I have a million questions. But uh, the first one will take more of a lighter approach, and that's, uh, well, maybe it won't be light depending on the question. I drink about two liters of whiskey a month. Is that alarming dr b should i be worried should my family be worried should we get some some maybe up the medical insurance a little bit or is that fairly normal and what's that doing to my body i would probably buy some long-term disability insurance (laughs) okay wait a minute maybe you still have a canadian passport right (laughs) yes i do (laughs) okay so uh 
Let's get caught up on the alcohol thing. So the government of Canada and Health Canada says we shouldn't drink at all. Right. <laughs> we also shouldn't drink uh, anything with caffeine, apparently. But if you want to start a revolution in Canada, you just tell everybody you can't drink coffee or alcohol. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. In uh, the rest of the world, it's still up for debate. The problem with grain alcohol, now you're drinking whiskey. Mm-hmm. Problem with grain alcohol is it does stimulate a lot of the metabolic problems that lead to fatty liver. So go back and listen to the NAFLD podcast on that. Right. Yeah. There's something else that's called fatty pancreas, which is not something you want. Um, the human liver can detoxify roughly four to five ounces of grain alcohol in a 24 hour period without actually hurting yourself, as long as you've got good nutrition. So if you're having, you know, like you said, two and a bit liters a month, um, you're within that range. But you also realize that you're spending a lot of resources in your cells to consistently detoxify that. So make sure you've got lots of good protein, amino acids, um, maybe take some glutathione here and there. B vitamins are huge, mainly vitamin B1. Okay. So wouldn't hurt to have some beef liver once in a while. I actually like capsule form. Yeah, I actually like beef liver, believe it or not. My mom got me onto it when we were young and and I've sort of good. And why why beef liver? So if you think in terms of like you can get calves liver pretty cheap at most butchers and grocery stores. So just skill it up, you know, a couple ounces of calf liver a week. Don't overcook it. The compounds in calf liver, which are cleaner than, you know, an older cow, uh, it's the highest source of the cofactors for B vitamins, particularly vitamin B1 and B5. Mm -hmm. Uh, But it's also rich in the nutrients needed to build blood. And then you go into the pathway of like heals like and organotherapy. So you're eating liver to help your liver. Right. But don't don't sit down to a giant plate of liver and onions. It's it's a lot of liver. Um, they still recommend that pregnant women, you know, eat four to six ounces of liver a week to build their blood. Um, unless you're pregnant, Chris, let's cut it down to about three ounces a week. <laughs> okay. I don't want to put any limitations on it. <laughs> um, but. I want to finish that talk on wine because Leanne, you and I always end up talking about wine. Yeah. The absolute latest that came out uh, right around the summer solstice was a complete research review of over 1.4 million participants Mm -hmm. over a 50 year period. Mm -hmm. So that is a big study. Huge. Yeah. Turns out two to three glasses of red wine a day decreased all-cause mortality from cardiovascular-related events. Translation, two to three glasses of red wine mm-hmm. prevents heart attack, stroke, and circulation-related stuff. Hmm. Problem. Yes, I was going to say, and the flip side of that is? The flip side is, well, yeah, it does do that, and we know why. The concern is most people wouldn't handle two to three glasses of red wine daily without becoming an alcoholic (laughs) or a headache or Or, blushing or whatever. So the further research now is to look at those compounds in red wine, mainly the polyphenols, the tannins, and can we put those in the body 
Yeah, I, resveratrol has got some interesting research, but it's really the polyphenols. Okay. Um, so, you know, it, it, what it's turning into is driving research over to cherry juice. Because mm. cherry juice has a similar phytochemical profile, but more for stiffness, achiness, and uric acid. And uh, Chris, I would suggest tart that cherry juice, no? Yeah, tart real ju- called tart cherry juice. Tart cherry like juice. pucker up. It's not your it's not yeah. like your grape juice. You'll see more on that, particularly for gout. But yes. uh, as you know, Chris, you know, whiskey, baked beans, and pork can often cause gout. And uh, I would suggest you throw a little cherry, tart cherry juice in your world with your liver. All right. I can do that. Oh. Yeah. I mean, if you want to quit drinking altogether, I guess that's that's a noble Bite cause. your tongue, young man. Yeah. But at the same time, you know, we want to live every day like it's your last. So yeah. it's, it's, well, it's there, an there's interesting that, There's that yeah. too. Yeah. I, have a fr- I have a friend who ditched alcohol after probably drinking a similar amount to you, maybe Chris, or maybe even a bit more. Um, and lost 12 pounds over six weeks. <laughs> well, to quote one of my godfathers, I said, I don't like you when you're drunk. He says, I don't like you when I'm sober. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Well, there's that too. <laughs> yeah. All right. So the other question I had is specifically my wife. She's been recently diagnosed with psoriatic arthritis. And you got to give some history first. Though, wow, that, she's been through a lot. There's a lot of history. And that my my fear is that if we go down this road, uh, that the podcast is going to be eight hours long. Right. She had her gallbladder out years ago. And upon having her gallbladder out, that was the first domino in in basically the entire house of dominoes fell down. A lot of problems have stemmed from there. Um, Mm -hmm. the most recent is the psoriatic arthritis where she's waking up in the morning, uh, swollen, absolutely swollen. It's a little worse some days than it is others. Her diet is extremely good. So psoriatic arthritis is rooted in dysbiosis, which is a gut infection. Okay. And if she had her gallbladder out, you know, because she had to have her gallbladder out. Right. Chances are there was an E. coli infection in there. And E. coli can be traced to psoriasis and psoriatic arthritis. Uh, and it's a long disease process. The other issue is, you know, if you if you ever had a UTI that ended up going to your kidneys and you had to fight it back with antibiotics, then that starts the flames towards psoriatic arthritis. Um Root canals, dental infections, periodontal disease, all of that can also lead to that pattern. So the first step is let's let's get to the rat killing. Let's kill some bugs in the belly, mm. mainly E. coli, staph, strep, and pseudomonas. But you won't know who to kill until you do roll call. And that's where uh, a PCR test of the gut comes in. So you got to do a microbiome sequence and see who's in there. And then go from there. Uh, and that's the most uh, efficient way to come. Now, in, in the immediate is how do we control the symptoms? So we got to get some anti-inflammatories going. Um, the bioacurcumin phytosome from mm-hmm. Physica would be a huge step. And I would dose that at two twice a day. And that's going to start down-regulating all of the genes that have been activated that cause the swelling and the stiffness and the achiness but uh, there is something in that product that we snuck in, Leanne, called ergotheanine. Mm-hmm. And uh, the ergotheanine can help reload your cellular glutathione levels. 
And Ex- that explain will, that one in yeah, like layman's terms, it's please. Such a big whiteboard. So <laughs> glutathione is made by all our cells. I'm still trying to spell I curcumin. <laughs> curcumin. <laughs> <laughs> the D is silent. You know? <laughs> There'll be links. Um, yeah, so this is kind of a big deal because as we, as our bodies are fighting things, we have to use glutathione to protect ourselves. So it's like saran wrap, you know. Um, you got all these leftovers and you're, you're covering them. You're going to keep them in the fridge. They're going to last a while mm-hmm. and because, you know, you got a party tomorrow. But then you run out of saran wrap. And you're like, what do I do with the leftovers? They're going to go bad. If that happens in your body, your cells actually go bad. They die. And then you have all this debris and you start to get more inflamed. And and particularly in the connective tissue, all of your muscles and joints get stiff and achy. And then as that happens over weeks, months, and years, the body starts to think it's normal. Okay. So then the immune system figures, well, this is how you're going to be. I'm just going to leave this as the new normal. And then we won't know it's a problem. And what ergothionine does, which comes from mushrooms, is it can bind to receptors in your cells to give you unlimited saran wrap. And uh, it, we're, we're weird species. Okay, we're the only species that has a receptor site for this chemical. And mushrooms are the only things that make it. I think, I think we've got a friend in need here. Mm-hmm. And... Obviously, just, mushrooms I've are just big. ordered more. Yeah. Yeah. So, bioway curcumin sequence the belly. No gluten. No dairy. No nightshades. You know, potatoes, tomatoes, eggplant, peppers. And consider looking up a diet called the Plant Paradox Diet, which is really an advanced blood type diet that looks at chemistry around lectins. If you want to go for it, just watch Dr. Gundry's thing on YouTube. But uh, anybody that's had any kind of autoimmune arthritic pattern has done really well short term by incorporating the ideas from the plant paradox. Hmm. Okay. This is Eat This with Leanne. Okay, so there's been a, a lot of smoke flying around in the air these days, especially up in the northern parts and all across Canada. But also it's summertime, which means construction and campfires and just our overall pollution. And after uh, Dr. B, you did a really great video over on uh, social media the other day. I thought, yeah, I think all the Eat This With Leanne peeps need to hear this. Our lovely loyal listeners need to understand a little bit more about this too. So take it away. Okay. So if, uh, if you live in North America right now, You've probably heard about smoke contamination. You've seen pictures from New York. I haven't seen any pictures from Quebec City. It's interesting. Mm. But the smoke everywhere. Here in the Detroit area, uh, we've been under air quality alerts. Do not go outside. Uh, Most of us who train and compete outside in outdoor sports are having a hard time breathing. And, you know, you, you can smell campfire, even though there's no campfire. Mm-hmm. So the particulate, okay, the, the molecules of smoke that are in the air from all of Canada being on fire are floating down south, following the air patterns, following the pressure changes and all the meteorologic stuff. <clears throat> and what it's doing to people is adding a massive amount of stress to your body's reserves. So 
if the air quality report shows 100 or more on the warning scale, mm-hmm. you're going to have a hard time feeling good. What happens is you breathe that stuff in, it inflames the sinuses, the throat, and the lungs, but you don't know it till it's too late. Then your body has to fight back by repairing things. And that's where it uses up all its vitamin C and glutathione. So one of the ways to combat this is to give the body what it needs to fight. If your lungs are a sniper, just make sure they don't run out of bullets. Right. That's the way to handle it. So keep feeding the body. Don't overdo it. I even... As much as I hate to say it, you know, it's, it's it's that time of year where we're all outside doing things. Mm-hmm. So if you're a runner, if you're going to go for a quick 20 miles, because, you know, runners, everything's a quick whatever, right. don't do it. Keep the intensity low. Uh, I know we may lose the summer because of it, but you'll be happier in the long term. The smoke damage can last a lifetime. So nutritionally... Update is, is supplements. This, is this the same thing as like sitting around a campfire or no being close to, you know, sadly a house that's on fire or smoke inhalation, or is this specifically to do with um with the fires that we've got happening right now? It's the air pollution. It's actually worse because if if you're sitting around the fire and the wind blows the smoke in your face, you kind of hold your breath, turn your head, or get up and take a breath of fresh air. You right. can't do that right now. There is no fresh air. Right. Even in your brand new BMW with the air purifiers and the ozonators and ionizers, you're still breathing smoke. Right. Um, and with a house fire, the big problem are all the chemicals that burn. But right. what we're breathing is just good old-fashioned hardwood smoke okay. plus pollution. Yeah. So those those particulates, they keep air pollution in the air longer. And then with road construction, you're tearing up concrete and making concrete, which is extreme amounts of dust and silica. Mm-hmm. which normally we wear a mask for. I find it ironic that three years ago, we were all being yelled at to wear a mask. And right. today they're like, no, why would you wear a mask? Right. Because the air is dirty and not mm-hmm. with bugs, but with particulate. This so time for an N95. <laughs> well, as much as we'd like to limit the exposure to those things. Yeah. I mean, if you've got to do a lot of work in a really bad area, you mm-hmm. might want to just wear a bandana at least to get the particulate out right. uh, protect yourself with the n-acetylcysteine we've talked mm-hmm. a lot about that you know a uh, thousand to two thousand milligrams a day make sure you're getting lots of vitamin c what's lots you know one to five grams a day so that's mm-hmm. a thousand to five thousand milligrams a day make sure you're adding the glutathione and what most people don't know is that turmeric with its curcuminoids Mm-hmm. actually protect the lungs and help breathing <clears throat> much the same way ginger does. Mm. So that bioway curcumin once again, Yeah, adding, adding that to your list. Yeah. It's an incredible um, formulation. Uh, so, and, and asthmatics are going to have a, a harder time. If you're not asthmatic now, you probably will be. Right. Oh, and it's a horrible feeling. Yeah. <laughs> So asthma is really a function of magnesium levels, adrenal health, and uh, anti-inflammatory reserve. Right. So that we just covered all those with the supplementation. Great. Okay. Another question, rapid fire-ish, from uh, from a lovely loyal listener. And she. this is someone who actually is circling back to something that we talked about in our last kitchen sink with her uh, recent celiac diagnosis. And uh, she's very grateful for the information that you shared on that episode. 
But the one thing that was brought up that wasn't super clear and that she's struggling with now is the meat glue and the Franken meats that you talked about. Now she's trying to buy organic. She's, you know, going to an organic butcher. Um, but they're reluctant to answer the questions and keep referring them over to the website, which has made her think, hmm, I'm not too sure about this. So can you revisit the uh, meat glue? First of all, tell us what that is and why should we worry about it? Everyone, um, as well as uh, this lovely loyal listener, and uh, just help with some sort of direction. Excellent question. Mm. Uh, it's a relatively new concept. But uh, we all remember the stories about the pink slime that was found in the yep. meat. Uh, way Making back hot in the dogs day. and all that kind yeah. of stuff. Yeah. We used to call it chicken McBug guts and all the mystery meats. Right. So that chemical is a meat transglutaminase. And transglutaminase is what the body views gluten like. So if you have a true gluten problem and you put transglutaminase in the body, you're basically setting it on fire with super gluten. Right. So the reason that's used in meat products is to make everything stick together. It's a glue. Right. How do you make a chicken nugget? Right? I don't I don't see fields of chicken nuggets running around pecking. So they oh, take I wish chicken, that would be so right, awesome if there were fields of chicken nuggets. I'm sorry. For that <laughs> I would use a nine iron. Yes. <laughs> Here kitty kitty kitty. Um so the glue holds the chicken parts together. Okay. And that's how you can get formed meat. The ones to watch for uh, a lot of times are your lunch meats. I was going to so just, you, that's exactly yeah. what I was just thinking. That's about. where you, it is. You go past that and you think, how on earth are you in a perfect circle? Right. Or even it might say, you know, smoked ham. Mm. But then you look, you get a slice and you look at it and you go, I don't know any ham that looks like this. There's parts right. mixed in here. Yes. Um, she actually now, sent, she actually sent a, a, a image of a piece of meat. It had the bone in it. It looked, you know, kind of looked like a piece of meat, just like a slice of not a steak, but, and then there was a circle in the middle. Yeah. And she said, she, it looked like it had been put back together. And I said, well, I, can you do that in a piece of meat that looks like it's just been cut from, I don't if know. If it truly has a bone cut. in it. Yeah, yeah. If it has a bone in it, you can identify it. Yeah. That circular thing may have been a blood vessel. Okay. It's We're so far big. removed from right. butchering yeah. critters. Uh, here's, here's just a real quick way to remember what's safe. If it walks, crawls, or swims, yeah, go ahead and eat it. Right. But if you had to like stir it up in a pot, compress it and add things to make a form, skip right. it. So right. turkey, you know, lunch meat, turkey, just get real turkey breast. It's yes, just and there are some places turkey where they breast. have, they've cooked a whole turkey. Yes. I think it might have been Whole Foods when my kids were younger. Then I would go and then they had like the whole cut of beef and then they'd stick it on the machine and yeah. slice it. Same kind of thing with the turkey. And it's, you know, and it's kind of dry. It's not. Yes. You know, it's, it's a different whole, it's the real, it would be like having a chicken nugget that was just made of chicken. That's why right? we and invented kind of mayonnaise. Okay. That's what it's for. That's right. <laughs> right. Nice. But mayonnaise is canola oil. Exactly. And everybody's coming back with canola allergies. They so. now have olive oil mayonnaise. And no, they, they have, have avocado they have oil. They have avocado oil. There oh, you that's go. That's what's in my fridge. Yes. <laughs> 
avocado <laughs> oil so mayonnaise. Good. It's it is really good. So what is a canola oil? Just total sidebar. What does a canola oil allergy look like? I just got inflammation. Okay. Brain fog, slow. Everything tired. inflammation. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Anything yeah. you eat all the time is going to create sensitivity. But remember, with the meats, if you want to avoid meat glue, that means zero processed meats. Right. And if you like having meat at breakfast, then you know pea meal. Mm. Yeah, that's right. A that's a that's a straight cut. Now there are also sausages that you can buy, which yeah. basically are like a ground up something and put into a casing. But yeah. you have to be able to ask all the right questions and right. there only be meat and herbs and some salt. If you love breakfast sausage, get it uncased. You know, just just get it raw and then form your own patties. Right. And then you can just skillet that. But, yeah. you know, it's I don't know why we have to spend so much energy every day just trying to eat without dying. Yeah. It's, it's the whole food industry is trying to kill us, apparently. Eat the right stuff. Yeah, I hear you. today on Eat This with Leanne, another round two of another kitchen sink of questions with our dear friend and colleague, Dr. Davis Brockenshire. Okay, Diane, she actually heard me on uh, on a radio station, but this was after I was talking about the episode 161, which I did not have you on, where I talked about parasites. And I thought this is a great question for you. Now, she's been tested for parasites, does not have them, apparently. Um, but has all the symptoms of having a parasite. 25 years of doing this type of work, and I can count on my fingers and toes how many times we've seen a positive parasitology test come back in the stool. Uh, so that's no more than 20, right? Unless you have an extra finger. The reason being most parasites don't actually live in the digestive tract. Right. Now, they do love dark, moist, hollow spaces. Mm-hmm. But the body's full of those. If you have all the symptoms and you are convinced, more importantly, if the symptoms are worse around the new moon or the full moon, mm-hmm. I know it sounds weird. No, I, or, explained, I explained that one. Yeah. Or if you get an odd little skin lesion here and there, like you cut yourself, but you didn't really. Mm-hmm. Yeah, those are bugs coming out. And the ones we see the most are hookworms and pinworms. So if you are like, I have parasites, I got to do something, then yeah, do something. Do a parasite cleanse. There's a lot of different ways to approach it. Please do not look at the ones on Instagram where you see people pulling worms out of the toilet. Those are not worms. That's been disproven. That's called mucus. Mm. So anybody can make it look like they did a parasite cleanse if you take enough laxatives. And you literally poop out the lining of your gut. So I don't want you to do that. The uh, two most uh, gentle ways to come at this are to look at the herbs, wormwood, mm-hmm. which is Art- artemisia. And there's two types of artemisia, though. There's sweet wormwood, and then there's regular wormwood. Mm-hmm. You don't want the sweet wormwood in this case. We just want to be gentle. So regular old wormwood. And the other one is black walnut. Mm-hmm. And you can find those anywhere. Um, but while you're doing that, you also need a lot of fiber. And you're probably going to want to use a binder like holoplexus to grab the eggs and the babies and Mm -hmm. the mom and dad and pull those things out of your body. 
Um, parasites really hate garlic as well. So lots of garlic. Mm. Uh, if, if you like sushi, you have parasites. If you've eaten raw meat, you have parasites. If you have a dog or a cat, you have parasites. We all have parasites. We just, you kind of live with them like mm-hmm. lawyers, right, Chris? <laughs> Can't live with them. Can't, Can't live without them. And I am going to caution anyone who listened to that and thinks that, yeah, I'll just go and get some black walnut and some artemisia. You can feel horrendous. Yeah. If you don't go into this nice and slow, you need to, you need that liver support. You need that fiber. It's almost like you need to, there's a, there's a program called the RCCP restoring cellular communication pathways. That's over on spartright.com moving into the, into getting rid of parasites with that. And there's black walnut in that, in one of those products called NAC colon clear as well. And Mm -hmm. that would be my recommendation, unless you are going to see someone who can help support you. If you want something that you're kind of, even with RCCP, you still need support. So yeah, maybe just don't embark on this all on your own because that feeling terrible first can very often stop you from continuing and really finishing this off. So um, that's our recommendation. Yeah. Thank you. Keep in mind too, that, you know, there's a lot of media, social media about parasites and people think, oh, well, I did a parasite cleanse. I'm good now. Not really, because you're always getting infected and you're always eliminating. Yeah. And, uh, you know, if you went water skiing in Algonquin Park or you flipped a canoe and drank some lake water in the 1970s, it doesn't matter. Parasites can live in your body for 50 plus years dormant. Scary monsters. Giardia is a cyst, okay? Beaver fever. That Mm -hmm. stuff can live in you for 50 plus years. One day you go get a colonoscopy and they put you in an antibiotic. Next thing you know, you've got Giardia. You're like, how did I get Giardia? Mm -hmm. But it's it's been in there. So people that do liver cleanses will often push parasites. Um, My final piece on this, and this is what I see most often, is there's always an emotional connection to a parasite in that somewhere in your life, you had something happen and you said, I never want to feel this way again. And if there was a parasite in your body, that parasite put its hand up and said, hey, well, okay, you won't have to. I'll feel it for you, but I want to live here. And you're like, okay, you can hang out as long as I don't have to feel that way again. Mm. And then years later, you go through therapy and you deal with whatever that was. And now the parasite has no reason to be there anymore. And people will purge, you know, eyes, nose. I've seen worms come out of the ears. Oh, stop. Um, I've, I've seen tooth extractions <laughs> cause parasitic cleanses. Like it's when the body is ready, it yep. will get rid of them. Yeah. Just like okay. teenagers. <laughs> oh my God. That's a whole other episode. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. How do I get rid of a teenager? I got a few of them floating <laughs> around here. <laughs> Lots of therapy. <laughs> Lots of, there's a parasite, man. It, it, they're eating everything in my fridge, in my cupboards. <laughs> Yep. Yeah. There's yep. no toilet Therapy paper and- rolls. <laughs> <laughs> there's 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 just random empty glasses everywhere. Uh-huh. Everywhere. Uh-huh. All right. And last question. And this is probably worth a whole other episode, but uh, a few steps in um starting to reverse insulin resistance. Wow. Okay. Easy one. Yep. 
whatever you're eating on a day-to-day basis, stop. Because you created insulin resistance with diet mm-hmm. and environmental exposure to chemicals. So it's not just diet. It's about 50-50. So the easiest diet to reverse insulin resistance is stop stimulating insulin. Okay. You stimulate insulin with carbohydrates, high glycemic carbohydrates. Um, this may be a case for intermittent fasting. Mm-hmm. where you do low carbohydrate intermittent fasting, which they can refer to many other episodes on that. Yep. Um, do not eat three hours before bed. Mm-hmm. Do not have alcohol right before bed. Mm-hmm. Make sure you're actually getting sleep because interrupted sleep can cause insulin resistance. Right. Make sure you're taking at least a multivitamin. And then from there, look at B vitamins because those are required. Um, there's a whole host of good supplements to take that go beyond our conversation. But uh, one of them is called bitter melon, and mm-hmm. that's shown good research. Cinnamon, start adding cinnamon to your life and drink more water because your body will tell you you're hungry when it's thirsty. Right. It's a very so confusing cue, yeah. isn't it? So hydrate, 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 roughly one ounce of water per kilo at a Mm -hmm. bare minimum and uh, take a look at your genetics. You know, if you're kind of predisposed to doing this, why are you predisposed? What did those people do? And it's usually going back to how you handle stress, how you were taught to handle stress Mm -hmm. and what kind of bugs are living in the belly. Because like I said, the E. coli's, man, they love to just wreck insulin. Wow. Um, low testosterone can also speed this. So you got to fix the testosterone problem. Mm-hmm. And uh, as far as chemistry goes, again, glutathione, NAC. And uh, luckily in Canada, most of the stuff that would be sprayed on your lawn is illegal. So you can avoid that now. Right. Um, don't burn your meat when you barbecue. Okay. So burnt meat can also stimulate insulin resistance. So learn how to smoke your meat. Mm-hmm. If you're doing meat, um, and also medications, you know, there's lots of drugs available. The most common prescribed one is metformin. And, no, uh, as in taking too much, um, um, Advil and all of those. Oh yeah. Any, any start, start to look, counter. start to look at, you know, if you've got regular headaches, aches, pains, yeah. and you're taking those pills all the time, definitely that's leading you more towards your insulin resistance. It is reversible though, is it? Totally. Yeah. We okay. do it all the time. Uh, any over-the-counter painkiller, non-steroidal anti-inflammatory is going to cause inflammation in the belly, liver, and kidneys. Mm-hmm. And that's that's where we end up. Um, that's why I was absolutely shocked yesterday to see that Advil now has a new product for back pain where they're <laughs> blending ibuprofen and Tylenol together in a single dose and then you take it every four hours. Any doctor out there should be shaking their head because you know you're not supposed to do that. Right. But it's over the counter, so it must be safe. Yeah. (laughs) Scary, scary stuff. Rabbit hole. Thank you, as always. And also thank you to our lovely loyal listeners for throwing out all of these questions and sending them in through leannephillipson.com and spreadright.com because it does help. And it's nice to be able to ask those secondary questions like the meat glue as well. So thank you, Dr. Brockenshire, for gracing us once again with your incredible wisdom. And I'll put all of his details in the show notes on leannephillipson.com. That was fun. 
You're listening to Eat This with Leanne. All right, Chris. Well, that just, I'm glad that was really interesting. Thank you for sharing all of your stories about yourself and your lovely wife. I know that she has been um, working very, very hard on her health. And I'm sorry to hear that she's back in a place where more symptoms have come up. So um, thank you again to Dr. Brockenshire for sharing some, some words of wisdom with you. And I do hope that that helps both you and her. Every little tidbit helps. Every bit of information helps. Uh, That's kind of the purpose of this podcast, right? Is to just take some of this, these, this information that maybe you've never heard before from people as smart as, as yourself and Dr. B um, and, and use those as, as springboards to, towards what hopefully will be uh, a better life, better health for you and, and the people you care about. Like my wife is a, is the perfect example of someone who I think a lot of folks can relate to it's it's interesting since she's had so many health problems uh basically since the gallbladder surgery uh mm. we've we've spoken to lots of people that have been dealing with very very similar issues and it just goes to show you 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 made the reference to dominoes and how everything's connected it yeah. is, it is so true but our yeah. our our medical industry and they 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 do what they can do and they do what they've uh, t- been taught been to do, taught to do from and, but they hundreds deal, of years ago. And yeah. they deal per symptom, per issue. It's, yeah. you know, I understand that as opposed to taking an overall approach. Something that I really just want to bring up about your wife, I believe, in the, in the, and I saw a stat the other day, I'll see if I can find it and share it with you, Chris, and then uh, lovely loyal listeners, is that uh, people who have, who have had their gallbladder out, there is a really overwhelming statistic that of who don't feel better and actually feel worse. Yep. So there's something to this, you know, is there, a, is there a parasite in the gallbladder? And just because you took it out doesn't mean that there's still eggs and all those kind of things around, you know, the, this, uh, I believe uh, for your wife, the gallbladder coming out was the straw that broke the camel's back because there was a bunch of stuff that led up to that. But then after that, then that just in like, that's it. The floodgates opened. Yeah, yeah. And that's the really difficult part because the car, uh, you know, you go and see, let's say, you know, a cardiologist, then you also go see a nephrologist, then you also go, see, you know, all of these different doctors. Can everybody please get in the same room? Mm, because, yeah. because you're talking about one body. And that's a huge disconnect, which I think is highlighted by how a functional medicine expert like Dr. Brockenshire would work. You're looking at every single system, every single connection. If you're deficient in magnesium, what is that holding up in that domino chain effect? So there are fairly simple things that you can do to just take that one step forward, which I think is so, that puts you back in your power. So that's really, really key. So thank you to everyone who sends in your questions. I'll keep compiling them. We might do one of these again in the future once I build up enough questions or if there's a particular topic uh, that I think I I have a feeling I'm going to get a lot of emails about gallbladder (laughs) removal (laughs) from now because I know this has happened to a lot of people. So yeah, just just send something through social media or either my website's handles are SproutWrite and Leanne Phillipson or SproutWrite.com or LeannePhillipson.com. And thank you so much as always for being here and please remember to eat this one mouthful at a time.